It is early in the 21st century. On the planet Earth, a handful of powerful media conglomerates are releasing high-profile entertainment franchises with the aim of ensnaring the attention of the huddled masses. A select few come forward in an attempt to examine, quantify, and make sense of this constant feed of high-concept genre entertainment. They are the geeks of the round table. This is their waffle. Welcome, welcome once more. We have had a hiatus, a very mini hiatus, uh, due to various factors such as illness and what have you. But we are back and we are ready to round table. I am joined tonight, uh, as ever, by Derek Crow. Uh, and we are going to be talking about uh, Star Wars What If episodes four to six, or as I like to call them, the sort of, uh, oh, well, okay then, trilogy. Uh, that, that's that's, like, yeah. that's my like one sentence review right there. Uh, no, well, I don't. I, okay. I don't uh, disagree with that. <laughs> it just well, you know. I mean, it, 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 yeah, it is. You know, after the first one, we were like, okay, so they're trying different things. They've come in at very different angles, which fair play to them. They have continued to do. Uh, and we're actually a little bit ahead. I mean, I did watch last week's due to the fact that people said it was epic, and it was pretty epic. So there we go. Uh, but we're going to re-rewind all the way back uh, to number four, uh, Doctor Strange, or Strange Supreme, as he has become known, uh, bursts onto the scene. Uh, and it's like, or you know, it's like, what if Doctor Strange was Doctor Strange Supreme? Or Disney, did you have to fridge a woman? Uh, that's yeah. that's the alternative title for that episode. I mean, apart yeah. from that one egregious fault, I thought it was okay. I always like to see a bit of Doctor Strange, uh, I guess. Well, I'm a massive Doctor Strange fan, so what do you want? Uh, how did you feel about that one? Um, Overall, I did like it. Uh, I did not enjoy the uh, the fact that we didn't really get or sorry um, what's her name uh, what is her Christine girlfriend's name again Christine, Christine. Okay. Um, I wish she had more agency at any point I think it would have been a better arc for both of them had she had been given a little more to do at least towards the end uh, but I enjoyed the sorcery element to it because they really went all out in a way that they don't normally do for the movie and there was a bit in the middle where it kind of felt like a, a Fantasia uh, for a minute and I really enjoyed that aspect yeah I have been uh not, I mean, not even deliberately, but uh, I, I have this enormous uh, p- 
part work graphic novel collection. It happens. The one that I'm looking at at the moment is from the 70s. Uh, it's a collection of some doc- 70s Doctor Strange uh, gathered under the title A Separate Reality, uh, which is actually the sort of title of the first arc of, of a Doctor Strange solo title from the mid-70s, of which five of those are gathered in that volume, along with some of the stuff yeah. leading up to that. Uh, and it does... It does occur to me that um, although, yes, they're doing their own sorcery thing in the MCU, um, the stories, I I was struck by how for comics, comic books from the 1970s, they do a lot of standing around chatting about philosophy. Uh, They don't half in those Doctor Strange magazines. Not that I want them to do that necessarily, but what's really weird is that the kinds of things that are done in those 1970s Doctor Strange um, are very different to the kinds of things that he's being given to do now. And, And the kinds of places that he goes and the kind of missions he goes on. Like there's this whole bit right. in the the thing I'm reading where he follows this uh, other sorcerer from the future back to the dawn of time, uh, and then witnesses as that sorcerer uh, pulling in mystic energy uh, for for literally billions of years uh, turns into a sort of conscious spark of all life uh, in the universe and stuff, um, which is must have been fun to draw. Uh, but you know, it's just it's things like that. It's things like that they never they never seem to be really able to get. I mean, the problem with it is obviously those seventies comics went all out to you know sometimes they just come across as enormously pompous. But it's just I think that they're the MCU people are aware of that, and it's like almost like well, yes. You, you maybe should not be striving for pomposity, but maybe you should be striving for a bit more than you're actually delivering at the moment. Do you see what I mean? No, I would agree with that. Yeah, I, agree, I, I mean agree it's. With that. Yeah, I mean it's just. I mean, you know, obviously his next, the next movie, Sam Raimi directing, called Multiverse of Madness, and following on from Spider-Man No Way Home which already looks a little bit mental. I mean, I've got high hopes for that second Doctor Strange movie um, because it looks like it could get all sorts of weirdness. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, the point is that, uh, to a certain extent, WandaVision did a better job of communicating the trippiness of the mystic side of the MCU than anything with Doctor Strange in it has thus far done due to Doctor Strange having to be all, you know, paternal and that and turn up and go, you know, I am the Sorcerer Supreme and I'm, you know, able to deal with this stuff and in a very right. Benedict Cumberbatchy kind of way. Uh, keep, uh, keep it entertaining while not uh, inaccessible. Um, and with Phase 4, starting with WandaVision, I think Marvel is getting more comfortable with... Uh, uh, not becoming inaccessible, but showing more dimension to these magical elements. 
um, such as, like you said, the Tribunes. Um, and what uh, what magic can be capable of. And I think this episode was a, a good example of that as well. Uh, not only with the Groundhog Day element, but uh, with the scenes where he's like uh, uh, absorbing other creatures into him. Uh, and the things that we did see uh, come out of that portal that he then absorbed um, was uh, something we, we've never really seen in the MCU. Uh, and I'm, yeah. I'm happy that Marvel is becoming more comfortable with showing that stuff. Uh, well, I think as well, I think it's carefully tailored, uh, to be fair, because I can see how they're doing their Boiling the Frog act. And I think one of the things is that they're doing the Boiling the Frog act in two different ways. One is for those people who have Disney Plus and are hitting the series is they know that those people are locked in and big fans. So that's why I feel that uh, two out of the three live action series have gone, you know, a lot further, uh, a lot more quickly uh, with that kind of, you know, bending, you know, mind bending conceptualization than than the films have because, you know, but what's really interesting then, if you go back to the films, is that uh, Shang Chi kind of, you know, you go through a, they go through a, a, a sort of a magic portal, and suddenly really weird magical creatures, and then there's dragons at the end, uh, which some people were a little bit freaked out by in the audience, so they were correct to do it that gently because if you'd skipped ahead, and I think you know, then you've got a steady diet of. Eternals, mental Spider-Man and mental Doctor Strange movie all on top of one another and that that's how the movies are going you know from naught to naught to weird so you know let's hope for the let's hope for the future because I, I mean what's what's really interesting is actually it's a quite a good segue uh, so that we can kind of bridge the gap the following week episode five we got uh, their uh, tribute to Marvel zombies yes uh, with their own you know, MCU animated what if version of Marvel Zombies, um, and and indeed that again had that. I think that's the point. I think that Doctor Strange. I mean, the point. Yeah, I think that the thing is they haven't been quite as lucky with Doctor Strange as they got with Iron Man. One of the things that was circulating about when in two thousand and eight, when Iron Man uh, absolutely conquered, you know everybody's you know conquered the box office unexpectedly was that marvel were kind of like admit admitted at that point well what robert downey jr did in that movie is what we've always tried to do in the comics since the creation of the character you know what we've never really nailed it but he did so he must know something you know and 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 i think um maybe this is the thing when i said they were going to cast benedict cumberbatch as dr strange my initial was like, I'm sure it'll be fine, but I, there was a twinge of disappointment. It didn't have the feel of them casting, for example, Paul Rudd as Ant-Man. Because then you're like, okay, I, I really don't see that. And the point is, whenever they cast someone, you're like, I don't see that. Or I find it hard to wrap my head around that. Um, then they, that's when they tend to pull it out of the bag. Whereas when you, right. I mean, Benedict Cumberbatch is always safe. And so always safe doesn't really help you. And I think that's the problem. 
Benedict Cumberbatch has in no way defined, redefined or helped to define or clarify Doctor Strange the way that Robert Downey Jr. helped to clarify Tony Stark. Yeah, I get that. Like, he's, uh, you think of Tony Stark, you think of Robert Downey Jr. almost instinctively. Whereas with uh, Doctor Strange, people are, I think a lot of fans are still able to separate him from his comic book version and Benedict Cumberbatch. They're not intrinsically linked. Um, because he's playing, uh, he's playing Doctor Strange, uh, but he's not, he doesn't feel like the definitive version of Doctor Strange, which is not a bad thing, but I get what you're saying, uh, that it, um, it doesn't feel, uh, as, um, it feels safer that he's playing. Uh, like you're saying, it feels safer that he's playing Doctor Strange than someone I'm, like Robert Downey Jr. who came in, needed to prove something, and went above and beyond that uh, to become the version of Tony Stark. As yeah, and, and I think what the, the my point and complaint about that really, or at least niggle with that, is that because they've clearly leaned very heavily into well, Tony's gone, and for the next, just for the short period until we kill him off mercilessly, Doctor Strange is going to fill in that, you know, there's always something a little bit strange going on, you know? Like, because, you know, right. Wong rolls up at the end of Shang-Chi, and uh, and and obviously Doctor Strange is now going to be in, in Spider-Man, and then he's going to get his own movie. And this tells you that, you know... And, then, and of course, Doctor Strange played a key part in the whole Thanos business. So, you know... He's, I mean, it's almost like Benedict Cumberbatch is doing a sort of reverse RDJ, where you know, where Tony Stark had already completed his trilogy when it came to then being in, you know, all of the Avengers movies, and obviously then uh, leaking into Civil War, and then also being in the Spider-Man movie that they made. Uh, it's almost That's like a good point. Yeah, Benedict Cumberbatch has had one movie to have an origin and then been really important in a lot of other kind of side stuff. And he's only just coming back to his second movie after he's been, you know, Infinity War, Endgame, Spider-Man, No Way Home, you know, and then and then Wong's coming no, back as well. So And I yeah. think and I think that also adds to the fact that he hasn't really defined the character because um RDJ, like you said, had three, four movies to be in uh, before he started popping up everywhere else. Uh, I guess five we count the Incredible Hulk cutscene, but that I don't think that really counts. No. Uh, it, he's had four four whole movies to play a big part in uh, before guest starring in everything else, where he's playing sort of a second fiddle to another character. Versus Doctor Strange, who, like you said, had one movie, and then he's been in, a, in an ensemble thing for multiple films before we're coming back to what looks like to be another ensemble film, to be perfectly honest. I'm curious to see how they're going to center it around, center Multiverse of Madness around him. If, uh, all these other characters that we're hearing is going to be in it are also going to be in it and play bigger roles. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, the thing, to be fair, it's for, it's like it's 
very interesting that that's a lot how Doctor Strange is, is in the comics as well. I mean, he does pop up a lot. Uh, because It's almost like big Marvel events. Uh, if they were news broadcasts, would be like, so uh, we don't know how this uh, event is impacting the mystic side of the Marvel Universe. We're going to cut to Doctor Strange, who's in a big, wibbly <laughs> space thing. Doctor Strange, how do we feel about this massive uh, comics crossover event that's happening right now? And then Doctor Strange turns up and does a few panels with trippy artwork and then buggers off. And that's literally the <laughs> same thing magic. that happens in the movie. It doesn't, like they, it doesn't, doesn't exist. Yeah, and and that's it. I mean, that's that's literally how they're using him here. Um, it was very interesting, in fact. Therefore, to then so go into their uh, take on the whole zombies uh, thing. Now, the thing about it is, I read Marvel Zombies uh, as part of the same part work, uh, just because they had to. They, I think they felt they had to include it. It's been, you know, uh, I think there's a you know a small but uh, rabid. Uh, what a great word to use for fans of something. Uh, yeah. A small but rabid fan base for that Marvel Zombies content. And and the thing is, anything zombies uh, does garner, you know, like, it doesn't really matter that it's really just a series of pictures of characters you already know as zombies with some lame attempt at stringing it together with a plot. You just came here for the bubblegum cards. You know, that's that's why you came here. Uh, and for that reason, it's like I read it and I went, meh, that happened. And then I moved on. Um, and I think, I don't know. I mean, I just think that uh, it's inevitably going to come out that way. Like you go, oh, there's Captain America as a zombie. Oh, there's Hawkeye as a zombie. Oh, there's, and that's it. That's basically all you're doing. For as long as whatever the Marvel Zombies thing is, uh, which is you know, I mean, I'm, I'm finding it hard to say, and that's absolutely fine, um, which it is. But at the same time, yeah, it's just another Marvel Zombies thing, isn't it? You know. Well, so I had never actually read a full Marvel Zombies comic until about a week before the episode aired is when I finally sat down and read the first Marvel Zombies comic, and I actually really liked it. And I've been slowly trying to get through all the Marvel Zombies content since then, and it is a struggle. I'll, I'll admit to that. Uh, because the content is not always very strong. Um, what surprised me, as someone who never really paid attention to it until now, is that ever since Marvel Zombies came out in, I think, 2005 or 2006, there has been a steady stream of Marvel Zombies content almost annually. Now, there's so much that I did not realize there was. Uh, and a lot of it is, well, that happened, I guess. Moving on. Which, uh, and this episode, I really enjoyed. It's not a standout to me, though. But I really, really enjoyed it. That makes sense. Like I it mean, is think... sort of a, it is sort of a that happened. Okay, we're moving on now. But I still liked I, it. Yeah, I think one of the strengths uh, which it just naturally has is that whereas uh, there are certain quarters where it's like, well, we want more uh, Captain Carter, and there are certain people who are like, will Strange Supreme come back and and. You know, and so on and so forth. Um, 
and people are just the same about you know marvel zombies cartoon as marvel zombies anything else but the point is it does feel far more isolated like some people are very confused or there was even a meme going around about what if marvel what if cartoons actually had some sort of ending uh, which underneath everybody else is like going but dudes that's kind of the point it's like you take a quick peek and then obviously it rolls on but you're not going to stay there because that's not what we're here for and it's that's fine that's part of the format and because of the zombies content being this incredibly specific sidebar to everything else it, it kind of gets away with that far more effectively because you're like, well, yes, but of course it's Marvel Zombies. You know? There we go. We can move on. Don't need to wait. Don't stress your head about it. We'll just move on. Um, so, yeah, so there, there was that about it. Um, it did feel like this incredibly strong individual entry. Uh, we were talking just before we started recording about uh, Star Wars's entry into this same it's not like star wars what if but star wars they call it visions which is like you know little things and and uh, honestly it's very admirable that they uh, are taking this approach i think because they've it's almost like the star wars people are taking this idea of like what if we just you know like our main core content hasn't gone over so well but this mandalorian thing where it's a complete tangent everybody's gone nuts for it um maybe if we just like do a bit more freeform with that and have these little vignettes it'll give us some ideas for some more content that people are going to embrace um which is obviously not at all what marvel need are doing or need to do the what if thing is a purely a way of softening up the core audience for the multiverse so that they're absolutely gagging for it by the time it turns up which is a great position to be in uh, but to a certain extent the Star Wars vignette, or I mean, I literally have watched one of them, but the vignette I have seen is so delicately assembled to be this like little. And there was a series on Netflix which was very hit and miss, but again, called uh, Sex, Death, and Robots. Did you watch that at all? I haven't watched that yet, but I do need to um, watch it. I, I've it heard, is... I've heard mixed things about it. Yeah. Like sometimes you, it's it's very much the um, the sketch show of like dystopian cyberpunk robot cartoons, in that like you watch one and you just go, you watch one and go, ah, oh, that was brilliant, and then you watch another one and go, yeah, I didn't like that, and you watch another one and go, oh, that was okay, and you'll just get this like like huge range of reactions the second part season whatever you want to call it not so much because in the first part there's like 18 shorts it took me like a week of just watching a few and going away and then coming back and watching a few more to go through more and the second one is like eight and eight is not very many so they had to you know get in there fast um and this you know you can also get whiplash off that anthology series from tonal shift which again like you know even though we're doing mcu what if there is there is that consistent mcu flavor 
even when they're being, you know, oh, we're going to take a tangent now, zombies, it still feels the same. Like when Vision rocked right. up in the zombies one, you're like, hey, it's Vision. I mean, having all the same actors do the voices certainly contribute, or many of the same actors certainly contributes to that. But I think more or less the fact that all the characters are used you're like, oh, same character, same motivation, same kind of thing, just there's zombies about now. Um, and you don't get tonal whiplash uh, at all. Um, and I feel like, and obviously I've only watched one of the Star Wars ones, so I do not know if I'm going to get tonal whiplash off that. But I certainly think that of the two anthology series the star wars one is the one that might give me total whiplash whereas i'm pretty confident that the mcu one will just be a bunch of wacky mcu pontificating but still coloring so well within the lines you know oh. no i agree and it's like I, i'm a big fan of anthologies because uh, i really like uh seeing what different creators can uh, do when they're given a uh, certain task, uh, just you know where they're going to take it. And one thing I love—I mean, I haven't watched Star Wars Visions yet, but the idea that all these different anime creators are just given free reign to do whatever they want uh, sounds fantastic. And from yeah. the sounds of it, it sounds like it's doing—it's—it was great. I, I've, like I said, I need to sit down and watch it, but I just haven't been able to yet. Like I said, uh, I must repeat. We probably will do a show about like summer because they're only very little. I will right. say, I have had no trouble consuming my weekly what if and then moving on and and going that was fun and just moving on. But now I come yeah. to reflect upon it. I only watched the first Star Wars one yesterday afternoon, and it's really lived with me. Like I, I'm thinking about it now, and I'm like, wow, it, it just. It, it, it did so many things right so you know don't want to hype it up too much for you but yeah the first one definitely good yeah, uh, and it made me look to forward hear. to the rest so yeah uh, and you know and then we get uh, it, it back to um, uh, you know we got uh, 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 and then his brain stopped functioning we did Doctor Strange and then we did uh, Marvel Zombies and I know this week was Party Thor, and now I can't even remember what the one in between was. You'll be able to remind me, won't you? I definitely watched yes. it. Uh, real quick, though, I do want to say, like, one thing I, I do... Two, two things, actually. One thing I think they would, they should have done for Marvel Zombies is, uh, in the comics, they are... The zombies themselves are still intelligent. Uh, they have their wits about them. Uh, they are aware of what they are doing. Uh, but they're slaves to a uh, disease that causes ravenous hunger that they cannot fight. Um, and I really wish there had been more of that in the show or in the episode because, and I think, and someone's mentioned this before, uh, the idea of them being able to intelligently respond to the survivors who uh, would have played a lot of would have played a lot of fun mind games watch rather than just hacking away at zombies and not really having emotional consequences for that. Like Bucky killing Cap should have had emotional consequences, but it really 
did it. And I do think that was a uh, negative on the episode. Uh, but as far, but one thing I'm, I'm enjoying about What If is even if I don't really love the episodes, I like that they're kind of just done in ones and they're not really important overall to the overall uh, MCU. I enjoy uh, well, they, when some yeah. stories are just stories and they don't have to have a giant impact on everything else. Well, the, the, um, the MCU I mean, should do. <laughs> I have reminded me. Yeah, I think to be fair, after the zombies one, which is the most comfortable stepping away from and being its own thing, I've just remembered, of course, the one that I couldn't remember what it was for a second was the Killmonger Saves Tony Stark one, which is possibly the least comfortable one stepping away from the uh, original timeline and being its own thing and being like a a string of references to things that happen differently because this. Um, and, and again, I mean, fine, interesting enough. And one of the things I like about it is that whereas Marvel Zombies is like, well, that's a big change. Killmonger saving uh, Tony Stark is like a thing where it's like, oh, okay, I guess that could happen. And you don't, that's the point. It's like, it's like even up to that point where you've had, you know, you know, uh, Hank Pym killing all the Avengers or, you know, whatever it is, all of the things that have happened up to that point have been like, well, now we are really messing with the fundamentals. And then you get episode six and it's like, oh, okay, I guess we could go with this for 20 minutes. Um, And it's fine. I mean, again, fine again. And this is the point. This is where that idea of... um, like the anthology that still feels like it's all part of like the of MCU-ness that's where it comes in it's like still wrapped up in that you know uh, tidy feeling of, of MCU-ness is the, is the fact that even when they're you know taking something really abstract in terms of a thing they're going to change they're still Colouring in the lines and trying to fill in for the audience who've watched all the movies. And remember this bit of that movie? That's not going to happen like that anymore. Oh, look at what we've done. Aren't we wacky? Um, and, and you know, that's that's my... Yeah, I mean, it's just like I, the, the Killmonger. I, I know that a lot of people kind of will a bit like, really, oh, is this what they're doing? I'm like, no, I think that's cool. But it is a bit of a... A strange thing, and it didn't really add up to um, the full banana for me. I don't know if you're the. How did you feel about it? I don't mind. I don't mind um, the uh, the question of what if Killmonger saved Tony Stark's life. That's fine. Like uh, the actual what we're exploring is not the issue. Uh, it was my least favorite episode of What If so far because uh, while it does have a fun anime reference in it to Gundam uh, it never adds up to a cohesively whole story. It continues to feel convoluted the whole way Uh, everyone has to be super gullible in order to for Killmonger's plan to work and uh, by the end of it, it's just it's just a very abrupt end versus something that felt really natural to the whole journey that we took to get there. 
and yeah. that's why that's why it's my least favorite is i i didn't feel like it worked as an experience I, it didn't work yeah I, I did feel as well that there was a little bit of a well if only this had happened then the wind would have been taken out of literally everybody's sails all the time exactly uh, and it's like, well, that's not very interesting. I mean, it, I guess. I mean, it's kind of interesting, but you know, it's it, it, you know, yeah. You've you've effectively neutered uh, at least two of Earth's mightiest heroes in Iron Man, and I guess Hulk Iron would have been Man, more difficult to dying. to wrangle. Uh, I mean, just to have him in the right place at the right time would have been more difficult without the whole, you know. But, I mean, couldn't Captain America have turned up at some point? Because that is not really contingent on any of the other things that were happening. We're given to understand that Nick Fury was looking for Captain America kind of separately to try to recruit Tony Stark. The two weren't necessarily, you know, together on yeah. that. Yeah, and you know, it just it just felt a little bit like what happens if we just do it. I mean, almost like a rerun of what happens if you didn't have any Avengers, and it's like yeah, but you wouldn't not have them. Uh, they'd just be different, um, you know. Exactly. Like, like and I know this is bridging the gap between Iron Man and Black Panther, um, but it's like Killmonger is an incredibly fascinating villain within the MCU. Uh, he is one of the better movie villains that we have. I, his plan in the actual Black Panther movie is more understandable and more uh, entertaining to watch than I feel like it is in this episode where he has to go through so many more hoops to get where he's at well he has to go through hoops and not only that but i mean i think part of what makes the journey uh interesting is that thing of like when you throw the punisher in and he happens to be on the same side as captain america or or daredevil there we go punisher punisher and daredevil are essentially trying to achieve the same thing at some point the point of it is that what makes that flavorful is that the punisher's attitude about what should be done about problem x is vastly different to daredevil and despite the fact that yeah. they're both trying to achieve the same thing they can still argue about it uh, and in fact yeah. get in fights over what they're going to do next and when you remove literally everything like if you think about this Essentially, what they're saying is, let's take Tony Stark out of the equation. Well, then, you don't get any Ultron. But the upside is that when Captain America rescues... Uh, I mean, the point is that we went straight through from, you know, Iron Man 1. We went quite a long way. So at some point during Killmonger's our master plan, uh, like a uh, Winter Soldier happens. I mean, that's got to be a minute. I mean, I know it's a 20-minute cartoon, but, you know, at some point, like... And then, uh, you know, Bucky gets could get shipped off to Wakanda early because you don't need Civil War because Tony Stark's right. not involved. And it's just this idea of, like, okay, so we lost Tony Stark, but we accelerated, uh, you know, the Winter Soldier's path to healing. And we, we got Captain America... And, uh, you know, maybe they would have recruited Ant-Man because Ant-Man's no longer quite so iffy and they could have got to him a different way. Um, 
And then on the other side of that, you could have had a, a far more traditional Spider-Man experience because Tony Stark wasn't there to give him a weapon, uh, weaponized suit full of gizmos. So, you know, he could have worked it out for himself and had a more, you know, pleasing or more traditional Spider-Man suit by the time he turns up to do something at some point. Um, so, you know, you've got all these possibilities, but it's like, I mean, a good I mean, a good thing to say would have been, a good thing to do, although to be fair, they have done this a little bit. They, you know, there are actually some fans who are quite angry about you are trashing a great man's legacy. It's like, Tony Stark is fictional, people, and um, <laughs> yeah. and, he's you know, a, he was, and he's a capitalist billionaire. <laughs> yeah, and he was always, yeah, like, uh, just because he was entertaining doesn't mean that he was, you know, always right and indeed nearly destroyed the Earth on a couple of occasions because of his own attitude problem. And so, so it was never like nope. he was always that black and white. So the fact is that if you remove him from the equation, yes, you get the downside of no funky, fun armor suits flying around because he never thinks of it. But on the other side of that coin, maybe some other stuff would have gone a bit smoother uh, because he's not there. Like, we can't pretend that everything went, you know, ultimately great purely because he was there. In fact, sometimes things went a little bit worse because he was there. See Civil War for details. There's a whole movie's worth of stuff there that he did, which is questionable, let's say. Yeah, I mean, you could argue that Tony is not only one of the MCU's greatest heroes, but also one of its greatest villains, because he is a catalyst for a lot of it going wrong. Um, but, uh, I, yeah, this episode, I mean, I focused more on Killmonger, which is fine. Uh, more episodes dedicated to villains would be great. Uh, and it's, ba- it's basically more of a what if he succeeded in his goal to become Wakanda's only Black Panther and sort of start taking it over. Um, but it's just, I don't know, I never felt it that interesting to watch here than I did in the actual Black Panther film. That being said, things I did enjoy seeing uh, seeing the robots. Those were, those robots are always fun. And uh, I like seeing the queen act be an active Dora Milaje fighting uh, uh, alongside her troops. I thought that was uh, wonderful uh, and really cool to see. So it's not like this this episode wasn't without positives. I just no, thought the overall journey was not worth where it ended. I think if they'd taken a more of the Marvel, if they when they came to plotting it out, if they'd said the interesting part of this is not seeing uh, the military genius of Killmonger, as I guess we could. Come, I mean, in the Black Panther movie, we could take that for a given. Like you see it as a fait accompli. You don't. You don't need. You know, he does stuff, and you're not really sure why he's doing it. And then when he finally goes, ha ha! Now I have what I want. And then he backfills what he's been doing. You're like, ah, oh, that was very clever. Well done. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas to watch him actually do it and know what he's up to, which you will know what he's up to because you saw the Black Panther movie, less interesting. So if instead exactly, they you know, a- you know, the turn is coming. If you'd uh, 
if instead you'd taken the approach of well let's think ahead of the audience that they know he's going to turn and we already did a film where we only saw what he was truly up to you know towards you know a point where it felt a little bit too late to do anything about it what if we kind of upset that again by doing a kind of marvel zombies thing and yes it's from killmonger's perspective but then he starts doing his plan and then he quickly has to improvise because suddenly these superheroes you know uh recruited by nick fury start popping up everywhere and they're like this wasn't part of what i had who is this guy who can grow into a giant Captain America, he's supposed to have been dead for 50 years. Where did he come from? Like watching Killmonger have to, and if they'd in fact thought through how the, you know, Killmonger dealt with or neutralized these sudden unexpected threats, that might have felt better and would have been a lot more fun. But there we go. There's some notes. Yeah, for I Marvel. agree. I agree with you. Go back, do it again. See me after class Marvel. Uh, but there we go. So that was, I mean, that's where we are. I mean, you know, at least we have that idea that. You could do something big like turn everyone into zombies or do something small like have two characters interact at a different time and we can follow any of those routes. And I think, you know, it's fine to just go, hey, you know, this week we're just showing you that we can do something that's a little bit left field. So that's fine. Um, and of course, we know uh, because of the, you know, hiatus and what have you, what, what we kind of got following that which is uh definitely i mean we're going to be discussing that when we get to the end of the, the season i feel that you know if 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 episode because i think um the the uh feeling in the the, the 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 jungle drums that i've been hearing say that episode nine is going to be something big um so as long as episode eight is something on the the uh on the level of party thought we're going to have a you know, a much more positive conversation next time around. Not that this one wasn't positive, but hey, we had uh, Doctor Strange fridges a woman, <laughs> zombies, and meh, Killmonger. So I guess really, basically, this is, yeah. This is the lesson, you know, when they were ordering these anthology episodes, they're like, make it, you know, it's the business communications uh, approach to anthology series. Of course, it's a shit sandwich. You've got one slice of no lovely bread, and another slice of lovely bread, and a bunch of shit in the middle. That's a little bit harsh. But the fact is that the ones in the middle were, have been, this trilogy in the middle have been the ones where it's like, well, you know. Uh, you know, I mean, the big problem with zombies is it's a bit trite. It's like, hey, we've done zombies. Check the box. Right. Um, yep. And then surrounding that is two which are like Doctor Strange being Doctor Strangey for 20 minutes. I mean, it, to a certain extent, I guess the other problem that you could go all the way back to there for, apart from the woman fridging, is in fact the fact that Doctor Strange doing Doctor Strangey stuff is a bit Thursday. Like, it's a little bit like, oh yeah, you know what? 
he's doing all this stuff and he's become strange supreme and then regular doctor strange walks in and goes oh sorry i was on my way to the bathroom but there was a portal you know how these things happen like you'd expect doctor strange to find multiple bizarre versions of himself hanging around in various locations all the time because that's what doctor strange does so it's rather hard to make a truly compelling what if uh, because what if to Doctor Strange is like well my brain's already full of all that crap to be honest so yeah I mean that's, yeah, that's, I agree that's... with you although one thing to know is and I just re- remembered this is uh, uh, this officially this, that episode officially makes Doctor Strange and uh, Christine the first two uh, MCU characters uh, at least the, these versions of those characters uh, to uh, interact with the Watcher. Yes, yes, of course. There was deal. that. Yeah, it is. It is. It is interesting that 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 uh, that, that that took place because I mean the point is that people are saying, I mean this is where the the sort of rumor mill goes that this is all a big setup for a return of things or things crashing together, um, and uh, you know really the whole thing is an exercise in when similar things happen in live action you know marvel are trying to program us to go nuts for it rather than to be like that was a bit weird or i'm not sure whether i like that they were like yeah they're doing like what if shit but it's in a live action movie that's what they want that's the reaction they want uh i mean they really are uh you know when i say you know they're boiling the frog they really are programming us and I, i don't care to be honest i'm like yeah, whatever. It's fine. Just keep the content coming. I'm quite happy. Um, yeah, obviously, like, like... I mean, what if wasn't built to be all bangers, but uh, I appreciate that they are trying to do different things, and that I can I can live with, and uh, it keeps me coming back for more, because, because like I said earlier, uh, the fact that not all of these are guaranteed to be important to the overarching story of the mcu is such a breath refreshing for me yeah and also and the I... fact that yeah they've almost promised well or the, the sort of the con the social contract of what if is you know all the other stuff it's not really gonna bother that over much you might get a cheeky wink in one of our multiverse films but that's about it really so you could just enjoy it or not and move on Yes, and I I really hope they start doing more of that because uh, as much as I as much as I do enjoy the uh, post credit scenes of like I think that's one thing I liked about Black Widow was it was important to that character story and it doesn't have to be referenced again in the old uh, the bigger picture of the MCU. And well, I'm you are gonna you are of course. Yeah, you are of course going to understand uh, from that if or if you've seen well yeah if you've seen Black Widow in the Hawkeye series when Florence Pugh turns up um, or maybe we should start calling her Florence Pew 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 seeing as she's now uh, new Black <laughs> Widow. But anyway, yeah. I like that. I've not. I think <laughs> I, I've not thought of that before. I like that. <laughs> uh, no, well, I just literally brain farted that into existence. But yeah, when I she turns l- up, I'm gonna. 
absolutely start calling her that from now on. <laughs> well, because that's what's going to happen, isn't it? The Hawkeye's going to be there, and then Florence is going to turn up and pew, 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 and that's going to yeah. be an end to the drama. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, that is literally how it's going to happen. Um, but yeah, if you've not seen Black Widow and then you go and watch the Hawkeye, which is almost impossible because I note that they are going to be releasing Black Widow on Disney Plus for all viewers at around about the time um, just a couple of weeks before Hawkeye so they're clearly going like we want the maximum number of people to have actually taken in Black Widow one way or another by the time we get to Hawkeye so clearly that's going to be a thing it's going to be important and 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 it's just uh, oh it's kind of cute therefore that their first advert doesn't really mention her at all because there's like they realize yeah. there's some people that haven't bothered to watch black widow yet so we're just gonna gonna keep that under our hats for now um so yeah it's great and I, I, I love it very much um I mean, this is the final note, I think. And what if kind of... What if has the tone of what if? But I do appreciate the fact that uh, we've we've had, like, um, division, like, m- bending reality left, right and centre. Then uh, Winter Soldier, Falcon and Winter Soldier, not bending reality, uh, but just doing a sort of chunky political action thriller for a little bit Mm -hmm. and then Loki bending time the universe (laughs) and everything and in the midst of that Black Widow doing a spy thriller and then Shang-Chi introducing a world of crazily beautiful uh, mythology and martial arts into the MCU at the same time as what if is in the wings kind of softening people up for that multiverse Loki was discussing and then we're going to go into whatever the hell the Eternals is we still really don't know that much Uh, and then you know Hawkeye's going to turn up with what we've already been promised is going to be like a, a cheerful action adventure with a Christmas twang and then at some point in there, we will have, lest we forget, apparently Ms. Marvel's going to turn up. Um, and uh, we're also going to have Spider-Man. Think, yes. Although I think Ms. Marvel has officially been pushed back to early 2022. I, I had just not. I, 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 everything I'd heard clinged on to. This was just like last couple of days. Oh, is then, it? Okay. Yeah. It's like super uh, information. Yeah, no, yeah, they have in fact pushed it forward just to that. I think, but well, well, I think that it's just going to be very close in the beginning of New Year, and I think they they wanted to. Um, I think they they originally thought, hey, you know what, we'll drop it like Boxing Day or something, or do something like that. All that tells me is that they've got some other idea about some other shenanigans to pull later on in the year and they thought hey we'll just shove it into the next year a bit drop it in that one division slot from last year oh so, yeah know, it's hardly uh, like there's just there's so much still like there, we have so like i'm not complaining i'm i love mcu content so give me all of it uh but we got five movies next year on top of however many tv shows we're getting 
and we've already had so much this year. Yeah, I mean, that is the crazy thing, is the amount of MCU content. You know, that's the point, you know. Ms. Marvel was always, like, late 2021, and now it's like, no, we've... I mean, the point is that they've literally... They've, they've almost as much as said, do you know what? We actually... We would have done it late 2021, but we've just... We've got no space. We yep. completely... Like, if you contrast... You contrast that MCU con that MCU content with Star Wars that was like, hey, here's live action Mando, and then again, you know, then we've had two animated series this year, and it's like that's your lot, and you're like, oh wow, okay. Um, I mean, although apparently uh, there's that Boba Fett thing coming up soon. But... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're getting a book of Boba Fett in December, I believe. Is that it? Oh, right. Okay, so that's fine. So that's locked in. That'd be great. I think they'd be really nice. I mean, that does, in fact, uh, fulfill the thing which I said, and this is probably a great note to end on because we've diverged into Star Wars, is, um, uh, you know, people were like, oh, well, that solo movie, that really took the wind out of their sails. It's like, well, yeah, but you spent three years conditioning people to go and see Star Wars at Christmas and then released one in May. Yeah. And the, the whole thing with Solo was as well. I didn't go and see it in, in May. And then at Christmas time, I was covered about the shops. I went, ah, oh, do you know what? I haven't seen in a while. I haven't seen a Star Wars movie. Oh, I haven't seen Solo. And then I just bought it on, you know, straight away and watched it over. I was like, oh, I really like this. I was like, if only they'd released it at Christmas, eh? Um, I mean, you know. It, 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 no, I it's agree like, with that. It's like the Star Wars people and the Disney people. Uh, sorry, the Marvel people. The Star Wars people and they're Disney, of course, they're the same people, but uh, almost the same people. But yeah, the, the Star Wars people and Marvel people really need to have a conversation about that whole priming the audience thing because uh, I'll say that's that's the one thing that Marvel has done is everyone is trying to figure out how to get the same magic that Marvel has accomplished. Star Wars has been around decades longer than uh, the Star Wars films have been around decades longer than the MCU films have. But they are now falling behind in the, what can we do to keep Star Wars as relevant as the MCU? Which, they don't really need to, because Star Wars will always be relevant, but in the fact that there's a ravenous fan base for it. Uh, but they're trying to put out, they're trying to figure out how to put as much uh, uh, content out that is as well received as the MCU. And so is DC. And I think they're all like trying to, Marvel has a very specific formula that works and everyone else is trying to capture the same lightning while doing a different formula. And it's not always working as much for them. No, I mean that's that. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely the way it is. So, and I think that's the that's the thing with the what if. I mean, the what if is like a, you know, at the end of the day, what we're doing here is we're criticizing a side dish in the vast buffet of uh, exactly. Marvel Entertainment. That's how it is. This so, is like so that's where we at. The salad you get before the actual meal. Yeah, Wait, you um, don't you don't have to you don't have to eat it, but it's there if you want it. Yeah, and 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 there's no better way to enjoy it than that. So, uh, where 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 are we at with uh, uh, in terms of uh, finding us on the internet? Uh, well, I'm quite complicated, or rather, the, this the whole edifice of Roundtable is quite complicated. 
although not that complicated there's a facebook group uh facebook.com groups geek towers or one word uh, and you can come and join us there um so that that's a that's a possible destination for you to find us we are of course uh broadcasting on the uh, radio station currently the easiest way to get to that is to go to my revenge of the 80s kids uh, which is 80skids.blogspot.com uh archive and there's a radio player there which will pipe geek towers content to you all the time uh so that that's cool um and and yeah that's so i guess really that sort of wraps up where you can find me where can people find you and the things that you do on the internet derek uh mostly on twitter at kazakun forever k-a-z-e-k-u-n forever uh that's about it I, i post i repost a lot of stuff and i talk about uh very random things on there so one of the things that uh, I find uh, quite sad, or well, not sad, I, I feel wistful about it, is that you and I are both writers. So you do get to get involved in uh, comics projects, but you're writing the comic. And in a comics world, I would also be writing the comic. So there's not much of an overlap there. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's like I cannot draw. I know people who can draw, but I am not one of them. Uh, so yeah, but I'm sure. Have you got anything uh, of that nature lined up at the moment, or are you still searching for a new uh, comics uh, project? We are still figuring out how to best re-campaign our Kickstarter that we did uh, a few months ago, uh, and uh, my webcomic is still currently in hiatus. So those are the only things going on at the moment. Yeah, well, I'm. I'm I was yeah. I, I was hoping I'm doing the audio content at the moment, but I was hoping to get uh, some finger space somewhere to do some other stuff. But uh, we'll see how that goes. So yeah, just like the MCU, uh, uh, our schedules are also packed uh, with various things that we have to do, and therefore I guess we should have to move on. We'll be back next time looking at Star Girl season two episodes five and six which we're, we're getting quite far behind with that but i think the good point is that because we're going to hit it pretty heavy from here on out we're just going to do like star girl end of what if and then more star girl and that'll take us straight through so we I'm should be okay so excited to talk about these episodes they have been spoiler alert they're my favorites of the season so far yeah, I, I can see it, but building up. I, I mean, we'll talk about it more uh, next time, obviously. But as a sort of little cliffhanger there, uh, so far I've kept myself back because I know when we're going to talk about it on the road. Right? So I've only seen the art teacher one, and I, I'm like, okay. I realise that sometimes they have a bit of a structural problem. In the at the end of the episode, you're like, oh, you were going here, but in the middle of the episode, you're a bit like, where where is this going? I'm not really sure. I'm hoping that that uh, kind of sort that out a bit but i mean we'll leave any discussion of that until next time for that is the point of the round table is that we do one thing a week so we're not going to go into that now uh but uh, but that's sort of your little teaser uh but i guess uh lest i should say any more we really have to draw a line under it now so thanks for joining us we'll see you next time bye bye
Today's show contained portions of audio taken from Bandcamp artists and used under a Creative Commons license. They are entropyaudio.bandcamp.com and leerosevere.bandcamp.com.